Hi guys, welcome to my podcast. This is 20s Hit or Miss. And today we're going to be talking about first wave feminism versus third wave feminism. And in addition to that, we do have a special guest today who is going to be joining me and helping me talk about these topics. Hi guys, um, my name is Donia Mogadari and I am here today with Crystal and we're going to talk about feminism and I'm really excited to be here because I do have a lot of thoughts on this and I know Crystal does as well so let's get into it. <laughs> I hope you guys like this podcast and stay to listen to what we have to say about this topic. Thank you guys. All right, guys, so to begin, we're going to be talking about first wave feminism. We're going to give you a little background on the history of first wave feminism and how it began and what the t basically what it consisted of in addition to that. So I'll hand over the mic to Doña to begin a little bit, and then I'll join her and we'll go back and forth. Um, so a basic rundown of the history of first wave feminism. It started around the 1840s, 1850s with the Women's Convention and just a lot of advancements for women in, in America, at least. Um, but mostly in particular, it was white women who were able to get out there and, you know, have their voices heard. So the reason why we mentioned white women is because this all started because of them. Now, do we give all the credit to them? Probably not, because later on in during this time period, women of color also started fighting, which means that women of color later on which we'll talk about, also began getting empowerment and their rights as well. But that took a lot longer because women had more privilege, white women had more privilege than women of color, which we've seen till this day. So I want you guys to understand that the movement was not only just in the United States, it was also French women in many other countries who were fighting for their rights. Again, this was all white women fighting in the beginning then it led to, you know, everyone else progressively voicing out their opinions on what was going on. White women specifically wanted to be able to work, wanted to be able to vote, wanted freedom of speech, wanted just rights that men had that they didn't. And this led to what we know as the first wave. Within the first wave, a lot of women just felt discredited. Uh, till this day, you know, many women still feel discredited and that's just what ends up happening, and that's how it began. Um, I agree with that, and I just wanted to add that, like, particularly in the workplace, women are constantly being undermined and underestimated by their male counterparts. Particularly, we'll see that in the wage gap, you know, like, very much so men are getting paid more than women are for the same jobs, the same positions, it's like, and obviously, again, it's the highest for white women. It's even less for black women, Hispanic women, other women of color. It decreases with the level of marginalization that you're at in American society and your place in white supremacy. So that's also something that's really important to know because, yeah, in the first wave, all of this did start because white women did get out there. But also keep in mind that white women were the only ones that could get out there. 
um, without, I mean, obviously there would always be some sort of repercussion or consequence because there always is for protesting and for standing up for what you believe in, but nowhere nearly could you, like, you could not have compared that to what it would have been like for black women, for other women of color, at least in America, we can say for sure that it would not have been the same thing. And that's a really important thing to always remember. The first wave feminism, I feel like what people don't understand is while we have to be grateful for these women, we definitely do because without them, we wouldn't be here today with the rights of, you know, still speaking for our rights, still speaking for what we believe in and standing up for them. We also have to look at the downsides of it because they began it. And because white women have always ruled, we have led to now still having white women ruling above minority women, women of color. And that, has, <clears throat> I'm so sorry, that has led to what we know now where third wave feminism kicks in and we're still fighting for rights for women of color. Specifically, like Donya said, in the workplace, out in the world, in society, and the way they think and many other things. Gratefulness is something that comes with the price in this situation, I feel like. You know, we can be grateful for many things, but we also have to look at, okay, but what it is, what is it taking away from us too? Keep in mind, Donya is a woman of color. I am as well. And we have faced the repercussions of what the first wave feminism caused. This is what we're trying to get at. The repercussions of first wave feminism is that because of white women starting it and then black women and women of color following closely after, it led to us always being second. That's not women of color's fault. That is in reality white women's fault because they didn't fight for us when they needed to. Now, I'm not gonna sit here and say, you know, we can go back in time and fix this. We can't, but that's why we're trying to fix it now. Um, I think oh I think it's also important that like like what Crystal was saying, white women definitely did have the upper hand um when it came to these situations, particularly over black women, women of color. Um and I think the biggest issue with this that we're trying to bring everybody's attention to is that white women often don't see intersectionality because they've never had to face it. They've always relied on their whiteness to get them to where they need to be. And they understand, you know, feminism and like how, it, like the being like of the, inf of an inferior gender, they understand that aspect, but they, they just simply cannot have an experience that is intersectional to their race. They've never had to choose between gender and race. So it just, it feels like it just doesn't apply to them. So they've never had to worry about it, which is why a lot of white women, particularly who are partaking in today's feminism, they don't see where women of color are coming from. And it all started with first wave feminism where they think it was, you know, just mm -hmm. them doing all of the work when in reality, other women were also working. They just didn't get the credit. They didn't get the attention that they were, same the same type of attention that white women were getting as well i want to add to this we need to consider the fact that the possibilities of women of color back then being able to do the work that white women were doing for first wave feminism is uncomparable women of color were still 
unconstitutionally treated like constitutionally treated like shit basically and they had no rights it they were still struggling to even make it to where women were they were barely even hitting the mark and that's something that we need to remember that's the reason why it took so long for women of color to stand up and say hey we're tired too or do it first because they didn't have the same the same privilege as white women did because as white men and as white women they've always had the upper hand and that's something that we need to constantly remember when it comes to our history specifically when it comes to women's rights yeah i don't necessarily agree that like um people say that like oh you know white women have had the same struggles as other women it's it's not true at all the fact of the matter is that there are, again, there are a lot of things that white women will literally never have to deal with because of their race. So again, I just want to reiterate that it's like the most important for them to acknowledge that they have that privilege. And if they really want to work against this racist, white supremacist, institutionalized racism that exists in America with through feminism, as they can clearly like relate through, they have to start acknowledging their own privilege and using that to help those who don't have that same privilege. So now we're going to begin talking about the third wave because I feel like we cleared up a lot about the first wave and, and mainly in the time span we have. So to begin, I want you guys to understand that there is four waves of feminism, first, second, third, and fourth. Fourth is the one that's currently going on. Third wave happened in the 19... 1900s 1990s that was terrible jesus christ i said 1900s like i was like i was like the 1900s (laughs) it's like wait a minute wait a minute (laughs) (laughs) so it happened in the 1990s because of media so the media started booming economic economic the economy started booming everything just started going upwards and around what time did it end um, probably like mid to late 2000s. So up until like the early 2000 teens, maybe. Yeah. So basically, it's they say that it's Gen X who actually controlled this um, wave, and that makes a lot of sense in my opinion. Yeah. Um, it's Gen X. That's what they said. Gen X is the generation right after the boomers. So basically, anyone born in like late 60s, early to mid 70s. That makes a lot of that. sense. That's Gen X. The 70s was definitely booming. Like, it's like, yeah, it's like the generation right before the millennials. <laughs> Literally. So yeah. so basically what happens is the reason why we want to talk about the differences between both is because now we're going to see the progression in feminism and how it's being applied to recent times. Keep in mind, we're also going to be throwing in a little bit of facts from the fourth wave because, of course, that's what we're dealing with right now. But we are going to be focusing on third wave specifically. So I'm going to hand off the mic to Donya again so she can start off. Um, well, I just wanted to also, I just want to start by saying that, um, I do think that like, by the time we are at this point in our history, particularly in America, again, like Crystal was saying, we were pretty modernized. Our economy was skyrocketing. Everything was, you know, and like, particularly in like movie productions or film productions and all of that, there was starting to be more of, um, of, uh, of a what? more of a I'm sorry. no no it's okay go ahead uh more of a 
boom, I guess. Yeah, in, boom. In, in the industry in that sense. And so, you know, obviously we've come a long way since like the early 1900s when televisions became more of a thing or like even like... Um, was it porn a huge thing during this time too? I guess so, probably around yeah, like this. Yeah, porn was becoming yeah, a thing. Definitely I the Gen X. Yeah, so... It, it lines I, up. <laughs> we're going to talk about porn today because um, that's a huge part of this shit. Disclaimer. <laughs> disclaimer. If someone's underage, just, you know, stop, stop listening. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and I think at this point, because of first wave and second wave feminism, after this was after suffrage had happened. So, you know, women had the vote to right to vote. Women could do... The basic things, as you would say, you know, they could get a job, they could have their own bank accounts, they could, you know, drive, drive. That's <laughs> the other thing. So, you know, the basic, you know, all the bases were met. But I feel like at this point, it was just like more looking towards equality to men as opposed to having just the basic rights, you know. So this is also when like people like, again, going back to the media, there was very little representation for women, or particularly again, women of color. Most shows were or, or movies were about um, a white male protagonist um, who you know comes in and saves the day or whatever it is for like those of us who like action movies and stuff like that. You know, for example, like Indiana Jones was a great example of this time. He was a white man who was fighting off the nazis and like you know he was the american savior and hero or whatever you see that theme a lot by the way if you don't notice that like you will see that like from after like world war ii and onwards so many movies are about the nazis and the americans <laughs> fighting the nazis and you know you know saving capitalism which is a whole other conversation yeah that one that one definitely hit different and we'll probably definitely make another one out of that one <laughs> yeah um so you'll definitely see that um but i do think that the one of the biggest downsides of having that white male hero caricature is all of the other people that are you know negated due to that so like they a lot of movies in this time period portrayed like black people as like antagonists or villains or that they were background characters background I characters who weren't of, important a lot of black characters were definitely background characters in a lot of shows and who would play into really negative and ugly stereotypes about the black community yep. um that's just like one example but like more than anything there was also just like a really utter lack of representation especially for latinx characters for for asian characters there's just so little representation even now i mean it's gotten a decent amount of you know there's more now but especially Fair. at this point yeah like it's so rare for you to find like a show or a movie that has like an asian protagonist or a latinx protagonist of some sort and that doesn't play that doesn't automatically play into like a negative stereotype about that community yep and like um, honestly, keep in mind during this time they were like she, like Donya said, they were mainly focusing on equality and making sure that women weren't looked down upon for being sexually active and their images were completely you know just women like they were being looked down upon because they were women. And what happened was since they were fighting for that again, it was specifically white women fighting for this because they had that privilege of being able to go out on the streets or fight in general against these things. Women of color were still struggling from these things. Till this day, they still are from the stereotypes, like Donia said, that we still see till this day. 
And the thing is with that, while we made progression during that time that gave us the ability like to continue fighting, specifically in the fourth wave, which we're in right now, which we see that women of color are now more upbeat, more about their shit, more about going out to these streets and saying, fuck y'all, I'm tired of it. It all kind of stemmed from that, but it mainly stemmed from anger and frustration that no one ever let their voices be heard. So keep in mind, this has happened throughout history constantly. We have always seen it happen because no one wants to hear our voices. They want to hear the woman, the white woman's voices. And that's the dilemma. So third wave and first wave, in my opinion, kind of match up in theory, you know, because it feels like we're seeing a repetitive history cycle here. Of but white women being on top. Exactly. You but know. I do feel like we have seen that while we are angry that this happened, we have seen the changes it also has caused in women nowadays that have felt the empowerment, even if we're women of color, to continue fighting. Because now what happens is, okay, yes, it was a white woman fighting for what they believe they needed, but now women of color are like, wait, but we need that too. So in reality, there's a half and half again, like I said before, where there's a positive aspect to it and then there's a negative to it. So honestly, I feel like with that being said, third wave is kind of the same things we're kind of fighting for till this day, specifically with the sexuality. I feel like we still yeah, struggle absolutely. with that. Um, a lot of women still struggle with, first of all, being able to be sexually active themselves because of what society has implemented into their heads. And that image, this is what comes into porn because this was the prime time for porn. Porn back then was not fun. It was not. Look, I, I'm going to be honest with y'all. I watched one video. All right. I had to re-record this part because I started coughing like a literal bitch. <coughs> but in that video, what I saw was porn back then was like this romantic novel. And it had to be like woman and like fragile and all these things. And like we look at porn now and it's completely different. It's women being adventurous, being more outgoing about their sex life. And honestly, don't even get me started on the porn industry, but that's another story to get into. But, but well, honestly, not really, because the porn industry back then was still terrible. Oh, yeah, no, they they probably they made women so uncomfortable with everything. And it's just like. I feel like a lot of these women just don't feel safe. Particularly. I think they were being taken advantage of. And like definitely like definitely <clears throat> taken advantage of and like they were just like they weren't safe in the sense that like they couldn't speak up if something was wrong or felt wrong to them or felt uncomfortable to them. Like I I understand if other people are sex workers and I I don't have an issue with that, but I do see how sometimes sex workers or even like people who are in pornography they do get taken advantage of and women they are again they are afraid to say no because they don't want to lose their job they don't want to suffer some sort of consequence they don't want them to be literally violated in any way which happens a lot more than we think it does um because people are because people, particularly in the porn industry, again, they want to do everything they can to make their money, to 
they just wanted to be as appealing and as as the kids would say clickbaity as possible <laughs> um so yeah like i don't again um and i think that the reason that now like women are being overly sexualized again or like or the reverse they're being masculinized instead of being like feminine i don't know if that's a word feminine feminized feminine or hyper feminized i guess hyper feminized yes or hyper sexualized i think it's just more along the lines that like um sexuality in general i feel like this is going off on a tangent a little bit but i feel like sexuality as like the whole realm and spectrum of it really does revolve around men when you look at it and when you think like i think that like particularly like lesbian people for example why are so many men so intrigued by lesbians? Why do you think know. that is? I really don't know. And in react, like what you if you look at the statistics for lesbian porn and lesbian videos on like YouTube or um, Pornhub or wherever you go, usually it's mainly men watching. And it, I mean, there's a lot of girls watching that shit too. But but it's mainly men. The reason that men watch it is because <clears throat> it's like entertaining to them how two women can have that sort of relationship without there ever being a man and for a lot of men they just fail to realize that like no there isn't one woman being the man they're both women in a relationship and they just really kind of don't see how they can actually have an intimate relationship that doesn't necessarily always revolve around sex you know like i do think that there's a little bit of a difference so like men who see that they're like oh you know they're just two girls having fun or whatever you want to call it i mean honestly Um, i feel like this applies a lot more to the topic than we think because i the thing is when it comes to sexuality that's one of the biggest things that women were fighting during were fighting for during this time and like you said men control that for us and as much as we hate it it's the truth it it really is because that's the way the plan was laid out we have a blueprint and it was supposed to be followed and one of the main things that we have is that men control our sexuality at all costs and that's the problem i feel like and why does that apply to porn because again back then at least specifically women had no control in the porn industry they were constantly being controlled and told by men that this would be sexually appealing and it still happens to this day clearly but back then it was like you have to be sexually like like a seductress. You have to be very pretty but dainty. You have to be like submissive. You have to be, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You have to be a virgin. You have to look like a virgin. You have to, you know, all these things. Like, for example, schoolgirls. Like, that's a huge yeah. thing in the porn industry. Which does play into, like, the pedophilic society that we've created. And that's one thing that I also want to mention. Porn back then literally caused a lot of pedophiles to start forming because... If you guys ever decide to watch porn from, like, the 2000s, it was pretty ill. Like, it was disgusting. Like, it's actually pretty gross. And it's, like, one of the main things I want to mention, and I know that this happened kind of recently, I believe. Mia Khalifa. You know you know Mia Khalifa? Yeah. She, she got out of the porn industry, and instantly everyone started bashing her. Like, she got married and everything. And I think she got a divorce recently, but... <clears throat> Everyone started judging the hell out of her because she was in the porn industry and making jokes and making memes out of her. No one let her live it down. But in reality, what was happening to her in the porn industry? She was getting raped. She was getting violated. She was going through all these things and no one was helping her. And people till this day are still making really crude jokes about this girl. 
And I want to apply that to back then as well. It was probably 10 times worse back then too, because these women were probably doing these things out of fear, out of, honestly, fear is one of the biggest things I can think of. Maybe out of money, but even then, even when they were looking for money, they were probably still struggling. So sexuality, okay. Yeah. Do you and, want to add anything? Um, going like I just like when you said Mia Khalifa, I like I thought of a lot of things like that what was going on with her. Um, she was getting a lot of hate and a lot of shaming, particularly from her community. If you don't know, she's Middle Eastern. I think she's Lebanese. I could be wrong though. Um, and so there would be like Arab men who would be like in her comments or like on her like Twitter or whatever and bashing her and saying that, oh, this isn't how our girls act. You know, our girls being like Middle Eastern girls, this this isn't how they act. This isn't what they do. You're a disgrace to our community. You're disgusting. You're this, you're that. Meanwhile, these were all the same men who were watching her and who were like streaming her content and who were probably enjoying it. Um, but they never want to be like, and the thing with like a lot of men, again, is that like, they will say that, oh, this is wrong or this makes a girl like damaged goods or whatever. And th this makes you like, you know, people are going to call you names or say bad things about you. And it's just a bad thing for your reputation. But they're also the ones that are basically exploiting this girl for the content she's providing. And the content that they were watching that, constantly. Yeah. Everyone and, knows who the fuck Mia Khalifa is. Yeah, for one reason or another, you know who she is. Um, whether you've seen her content, whether you've read articles about her, and, like, that's the thing. Like, when she was in porn, she was getting all of this hate. But when she wasn't in porn, she's still getting all of this nonsense from people who literally are not affected by her life decisions. I don't understand why they keep coming after her for this. But yeah, like on like the overall note of like sexuality and stuff, it really does show to, goes to show that like we do see sexuality from like the misogynistic point of view, and that like it has to be revolved by revolved around a man. So like for example, if a bisexual woman comes out here and says that she's bisexual, they'll be like, "Oh wow, I think you're just a straight girl who's confused. You know, you're just going through a phase, and I think you're just gonna end up with a man." Whereas if a bisexual man says that he's bisexual, they're going to be like, oh, no, you're gay. If you go that far with a man, that can only mean you're gay, you know? And it's so like that that whole conversation about like biphobia is like its own its story own <laughs> for sure. But that's just like one example where we see like, oh, we just cannot see a relationship. We cannot see a sexual orientation that does not revolve around men. And I think that was a big thing in the 2000s as well. There was a huge issue with the LGBTQ still and specifically with the AIDS and HIV whole oh, thing. Oh, yeah, for and sure. I feel like that was the most ignorant shit I've ever read in my entire life. Keep in mind, I, I think I was in high school when I learned about the whole HIV AIDS. Like That was more in the 80s when it happened, when like the first like <laughs> outbreaks were happening for HIV. But yeah. But um, it, I feel like it still continued into the 2000s because they were still talking about yeah, for sure. all this crap like, Oh, if you're sexually active with some a man or like specifically men, specifically men, specifically gay men were being targeted. They they were and and even in the videos that they would show in school, you know those old like sex ed videos, yeah. they would constantly talk about these oh things completely wrong. And yeah, no, most I mean for, I I don't know who is listening from like what area you're from, but like in the south at least, most sex ed 
classes are like abstinence only type classes. I remember middle school. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So, and again, they'll show you these videos that are so like misinforming and so wrong to like teach literal children who are trying to like learn more about their bodies and to be comfortable with their bodies and their sexuality. Like, it's just, it's so misinforming. And specifically for like LGBTQ kids, they go into these like queer relationships not knowing what, what to, to do, do and how to yep. how to stay safe with their partners you know um and so like it was like a whole thing that like oh if you're a gay man and you have sex with another man you're gonna get hiv or like this is gonna happen or like they don't they don't prepare them at all yep. and like there there is literally no awareness for any like sort of stds or anything and uh, that that is a big problem in and of itself because if you have an std that doesn't like automatically disqualify you from life yeah like you need to learn like sex ed should did not prepare you to have those conversations with your intimate partner about like oh you know i have this std i have this um you know it's my job and my obligation to inform you about this before we have you know we're intimate do you remember the videos they would show us in high school for um the woman specifically like i in my high school they showed a video of a woman giving birth and how hard it is and that's the way they were showing us abstinence and mm-hmm. i feel like that's so misinformed as in oh if you have sex you're having this is child. what's gonna happen to like, you a child that's all it's gonna get to like all you can think of as a child and the reason why we're talking about all of this is because it sincerely does all apply to the third wave yeah. i know feminism as a whole everyone thinks it's specifically just for women but i feel like feminism has always fought for many other things because even though third wave feminism was fighting for women specifically it still attracted everyone else to fight as well because they saw a movement that was kind of out of the norm honestly it, it was something it was very so- unconventional for exactly that time period. and I, I it's just all of these things do apply and i feel like it's it's crazy to me because we have grown so much from it but yeah. as well we have also kind of faltered a little bit in my opinion is that a word faltered Faltered? Is it faltered or like like what is it when it declines? Jesus Christ, my English. Faltered is right. Yeah. Oh, okay, perfect. You <laughs> yeah. guys didn't hear any of what I just said. Me questioning myself constantly. <laughs> but um, now I want to like ask. Okay, so one of the biggest topics in the third wave was the whole uh, stereotype of woman. So how women were looked upon as dainty virgins had to be a virgin or else she was a used up hot mess. Um, damaged goods. Damaged goods. Yeah. Um, well, let me think of what the else. The fact that we even refer to women as goods just tells like you everything groceries. you need to know. Like, 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 like literally, goods. like we're groceries or something. And it's just like, wait a Again, minute. Like sexualization being viewed as objects. Like that's a huge thing that was happening during that time. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's still happening. Like it's still very much so happening now. Um, yeah. I feel like the difference one of the main differences we see in the first wave and third wave is that the progression of sexuality i feel like sexuality was that huge thing that changed from the 1800s to the 2000s we saw that progression in women and wanting to be able to be sexually active sexually free being able to own their mess like you know what i'm saying you know like i love that term own your mess because Mm -hmm. like that's literally the best way to put it um that's one of the biggest differences we see and 
because back then women in general were following the stereotypes were following the rules of men. They were abiding by everything they were because saying. Because they had no choice and they had, like, no means of getting out. And th- that's, like, what you see in, like, the divorce rates where, like, I don't know, like, if you ever talk to somebody who's from, like, the boomer generation or even, like, the Gen X generation where they're like, oh, you know, in our days, women wouldn't get divorced this much or d- divorces wouldn't happen this much. And it's literally because women had no way out. Yep. They couldn't open their own bank accounts. They literally couldn't sign off on, like, literally anything, anything for themselves. So they had no other choice. They had to put up with abusive husbands just for the sake of their security or their children's security so that their children would be protected and safe and financially secure. I'm going to give you an example. My great-grandmother, she was married with my great-grandfather, I don't know how long, I think like 60 years. I don't know how the fuck how long. I'm going to be honest with you. But that man literally cheated on her every single chance he got. He would come home drunk, cheated, anything possible he would do. And she still stuck around. And why is that? Because of of that normalization of staying with someone because they're your partner and you already got married. Specifically when it comes to religion. I feel like religion for minorities is a huge thing. We abide by it like no other. I mean, not I though. Y'all be safe. But um, it, it was just such a huge thing. Keep in mind, I'm Cuban. Uh, and I'm Persian. So that means I'm from Iran or my parents are from Iran. So we both have kind of I mean, honestly, the uh, every time I've talked to you and, like, your sister, I've realized that we kind of have the same similarities of, like, mainly yeah. the big things. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I feel like what we need to realize is that sexuality as a whole should never be a problem. Women have every right to control every aspect of their lives, no matter if it bothers you or not. That's none of your fucking business. That's the nicest way I can put that because I'm tired of hearing men criticize women for taking over their bodies and taking over their sexuality as a whole. Because sexuality does not only apply to sex. Sexuality is your image, your personality, the way you look at the world, everything. Like sexuality is such a big aspect of human beings and we need to get over women not being able to do it. And yeah, and adding on to that, I do think that like for men in particular, always having something to say where it's like, oh, a woman taking control of her body. Like, for example, what we see like now in like our fourth wave with like social media and stuff, we see women posting pictures of themselves, you know, feeling confident, feeling oh beautiful, whatever it is. And there's always a man in oh, the comments I knew that saying that, on. oh, you need to put on more clothes or, oh, this is a, what is it? Um, fatherless activities or whatever. Like <laughs> she has daddy issues. Bitch, go the fuck to like, hell. Oh, this is this is what girls do when they're single because obviously if you had a man, your man wouldn't let you dress this way or talk this way or act this way. Um and so I think that a lot of men are feeling a little bit uncomfortable and threatened by women who are owning their bodies because again, it's such a double-edged sword for women. For those of them, for those of us who um do you know, like what people would consider to be provocative, like they dress provocatively or whatever you want to call it. I don't necessarily know how to define that. I think everybody has their own definition of what that means. Provocatively, as people like to say, then, oh, you're a slut, you're a whore, you're doing this for attention. But if you if you dress modestly, if you're very reserved, if you're quiet or whatever, you're a prude and you're probably no fun to be with or you're just you're not a good time or you're not easy or whatever. I really, I hate the word easy. Like, oh, that's I, a huge thing. I hate how crazy it has become to like, just so easily throw that around and be like, oh my gosh, you're so easy because you did this or you said that, or you dress like this. 
you were like asking for it or you were again being easy which is such a terrible thing honestly terrible rhetoric to have start? when did the word easy even come to play because i feel like wouldn't it have came to play during that time because i, honestly, I assume so yeah because I, that was the time that everyone was trying to fight for specifically what we're talking about right now and but it just became such a norm to be able to call someone easy and it's just like wait, why or, or fast that's another yep, word that's that another use. one yeah damaged um, goods is still in my brain right now i really don't like that word either yeah. Yeah. but i think it's just like and that like leads into a whole other like thing about like consent and stuff like that because if you call somebody easy as a man you look at a girl and you're like wow you're so easy like I feel like men approach women these days thinking that it's going to be a challenge or you have to like work them to make them say yes or get them to do what you want which again like you need to understand that if a woman is easy that means she actually is interested in you and she does want to like have sex with you yeah but you're looking for the challenge you're still looking for the chase which raises a lot of questions as in like, you know, if they're not interested, you shouldn't keep pursuing them and you shouldn't keep persisting or wearing them down as a lot of people like to say. That just raises like, okay, are you turned off from the fact that somebody is easy and willingly wants to have sex with you? You really have some stuff to work on. Or therapy. Therapy is a great option, guys. Absolutely. Like I don't necessarily, I don't understand why like it's like a, it's almost like a turn on i would say for men to have a chase or like ha like view this as some sort of a it's challenge like dogs or something that like they have to like conquer and they have to like overcome some sort of like obstacle to get to you you know like that's not how relationships should be a relationship should be between you know it, and again we're still talking like about like heterosexual relationships where it's like a man trying to chase a woman i just and obviously, you know, queer relationships apply too. But in this case in particular, it's like, if a woman isn't interested in you, it doesn't mean that she's not easy or that she's, you know, she wants you to pursue her. And she's, this is like a challenge. This isn't like a signal. This is just, hey, dude, I'm not interested. Yep. Because the you challenge know? usually means that we're definitely not interested in you or yeah. because of the girl dealing with um societal standards and having to feel like she has to be a challenge and that she has to be in a relationship to be able to have sex because that sincerely applies to everything like yeah. i feel like a lot of women feel like they can't accept their sexuality till this day because of the fact that society has made it such a norm to make us feel like absolute utter shit for having sex or having sexual relationships with partners unless we're married or in a relationship because of the fact that again this was all created by men who were wanting to control us in every aspect. Yeah, and women's bodies are already just so contentious. Like, there is always a need to control how women use their bodies or present their bodies to the world. And by the world, I mean, like, the male gaze, because apparently there is no world outside of the male gaze. If you are if you dress a certain way and men don't like it or men find it unappealing or whatever, you're not doing enough. But if you dress a certain way that gets too many men's attentions, again, suddenly you're the problem again. So there really is just like no winning with any, any of these situations. And that necessarily applies to what was going on as well, because that's another thing during this time period in the third wave, women were trying to like figure out their clothing types and everything, you know, fashion started becoming more, seductive and out there and it was honestly the cutest thing in the world too because i love 2000s outfits they're so cute but 
women were out there. They were showing hips. They were showing stomachs. They were showing belly buttons. They were showing titties. They were showing everything. And what ended up happening? This, what we deal with now, applied back then. It, I feel like it was a lot harder on women back then because keep in mind they were just leaving that societal standard that they were being applied to but then you know now i feel like it's a little bit easier for women not easier but a lot easier not i don't like the word easier what's a, another word for um less challenging, less challenging. Yeah. i like that word a lot better because easier just sounds like it's not good enough like there yeah. are still obstacles, just not as many. Exactly. Yeah. And I feel like women nowadays care less about what men have to say about their clothing and how they're like the way they present themselves. Um, I feel like we're on that stage where we're kind of like, okay, well, if you don't fucking like it, then stop looking at me or else we're going to throw hands because I feel like women nowadays really do want to be throw, want to throw hands with men. That's just one thing I've seen constantly and I love it. They're just waiting. <laughs> they're just waiting to throw hands with a man. They're like, you know what? Let's go. But honestly, I feel like that's a huge thing because again sexuality is such a big aspect of our lives and sexuality is something that applies to every aspect every aspect that you could think of and that's something that was such a huge thing during that time because of course sexuality started booming and women wanted to be classified the same or looked upon the same way men did simple we can have sex it's no one's business we'll take care of ourselves and that's it and as well we can dress however we want just like men do we can do whatever the fuck we want without no one looking at us and being like, but aren't you supposed to be fragile? Aren't you supposed to be a virgin? Aren't you supposed to be this like princess? Bitch, fuck you. No, I I, I want to fuck. Like, leave me the fuck alone. That's it. That's basically it. Yeah. But. um, Yeah. And I just wanted to add like, and how that like this whole third wave does apply to fourth wave and with everything going on, like with um abortion and those issues that are like a whole like other mess going on right now particularly what's going on in texas mm -hmm. um basically um uh, going back to like you know how white women view feminism versus how other women women of color view feminism white women's reactions to this to everything going on in texas was oh my gosh this is exactly like handmaid's tale and you know Th this is actually going to happen. Like, can you imagine? And it's like for white women, they literally have to go to the extent of, of like picturing and like fantasizing almost about this situation when this whole fantasy and whole like fictional situation that they see in Handmaid's Tale actually has happened to black and brown women constantly for so long in this country. Till this day. For so long. And like, what's even stupider was like the whole, um, Thing that they were saying was oh my gosh we should go on a sex strike and stop having sex and stop doing you know all of that nonsense like th that's like all the nonsense that they were saying um and that like just there is no there is no intersectionality that they see and that like they really don't understand how brown women black women have been experiencing this for years and like for example like native american indigenous women in this country are literally being murdered and nobody is talking about it nobody is going into that and trying to understand what's happening because their lives are literally less like to them to the whole white supremacist system their lives are less valuable than white women's lives and so they are just being like senselessly murdered and nobody knows what's happening to them, to these indigenous women. And so 
or like they're being like sterilized and forced to not be able to have children. Meanwhile, white women are still sitting here fantasizing about Handmaid's Tale. Like it's kind of ridiculous <laughs> at this point, you know? And so like, I don't, I feel like these days for white feminism, it mostly does revolve around sex and like, oh, you know, I should be able to have sex with whoever I want and whatever I want. And like that kind of just goes into the whole thing about like being in part of the dating scene and that white women are probably some of the most like eligible and most, most like appealing women in the dating scene to this day. They are the most liked women, you know, whereas like black women, brown women, they are basically bottom of the barrel. And that like particularly white, white men don't want to date. And if they do, it's for a very disgusting and fetishizing reason. Yep. Um, so there's just, again, there's like layers to this and there's just a lot to unpack with that, but really know yourself and know where you stand in terms of white supremacy, in terms of misogyny, like you really, like people, whoever is listening really need to evaluate yourselves and check yourselves and really do unlearn a lot of the things that society has taught us about how women should be, how white people should be, how, how women of color should be, whatever the situation is, you really need to see where you lie on that and how you can make it better for those that don't have it like you do. Because believe me, there is somebody out there who is dealing with more oppression than you are and dealing with obstacles that you never even had to think about. And particularly for women, like if, feminism is going to be a thing if we're going to get everybody involved in feminism women have to be on the same page with each other and right now i'm not really seeing that i'm just seeing white women doing their own thing See, but that's leaving behind women of color every single time that's always been a thing and we've seen that throughout history so much that in all honesty it's it's expected at this point so i completely agree with what donia said i feel like we need to start reevaluating where we stand and reevaluating what we know because the thing is, there's a lot of ignorance going around specifically in white women and men. I feel like men need to start looking into the history behind what women have gone through. And that's just something that needs to happen. But all in all, I feel like this was a great podcast. I feel like we did a pretty good job talking about this. I appreciate Donia being with me today and helping me being here (laughs) i i literally am obsessed with the fact that she took over because that's the whole point i wanted to make sure that she had a creative space to be able to sit here and talk because i know she loves this so much and that's why i asked her to come and join me i do appreciate the opportunity and i am i really hope that you know you did you the viewer uh, or listener (laughs) i keep forgetting this is a podcast it's like i'm on the radio (laughs) uh i hope the the listeners did get something out of this and if not um i don't know really how this whole like system works with like podcasts and stuff but i would love to hear other people's opinions this is obviously a very open-ended conversation it isn't just oh my opinion is correct and you have to listen to me no there are so many ways there are so many levels of this and how to view this issue because it's different for everyone um so i would definitely love to hear more perspectives on this because it really is very relevant to our lives and very applicable to everyday life, particularly if you are in the United States. I want to make sure that you guys know that I do have an Instagram. Um, If you guys want to reach out to us, I'm going to try and work on a website for the podcast so you guys can reach out through there too. But I will let you guys know once I do that. The Instagram is 20s hit or miss. 
if you guys want to reach out through there, I will definitely send the messages to Donya. And like, if she needs to reply, she can send me the messages and I can forward them. So thank you guys so much for joining us today. I hope you guys have a good night and we will see each other next time. Yep. Bye guys. Bye.